Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, and we are on to another episode. Today, our guest is Craig Brown. He is a recovery pastor and author of the book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing. Craig talks about his own recovery journey coming out of a abusive, dysfunctional family home where his father was a pastor and going through his own journey of dealing with all of his internal pain and shame and finding freedom again when he was finally able to surrender and give his life over to a Christ-centered recovery. It was wonderful to interview Craig. He has such passion, love, and a desire to help others and some really hard-won wisdom. So I hope that you get a lot out of this episode and enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Greg Brown, and he is a recovery pastor and author of the book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing. So Greg, Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got there, how you got the book, all of that stuff. Appreciate the invite. Thank you for having me. My story, short version. I grew up in the church. My dad was a minister. Uh, I had a, We grew up in a church family that I come to find out as I got older and became an adult and had to deal with some rather dysfunctional things in my life. I, right. I looked back and realized that, you know, it wasn't all what I thought it was at that time. But as children, you just don't know, you know, any different. But um, yeah. yeah, I had I had to be as a as a minister's kid, uh, similar to other professions, I had to be on all the time, had to make my family look good, dad look good. And it was just a ton of pressure for my sisters and I to be in that kind of an environment and always have to kind of fake it. And, you know, what I saw from the pulpit from my dad was entirely different a lot different than what I saw at home. He had a lot of demons, a lot of struggles and things. And, you know, and some he took them out on us, you know, as right. uh, as children. 
And so at a very young age, I had to learn coping mechanisms and skills and escape plans and everything else to deal with then what I was going through. So I really didn't have a real good nurturing, emotional, mental, spiritual development, you know, um, because of that. And for the last 22 years, I've been serving others who have very similar backgrounds. And it's very hard to find uh, someone that had a, a real nurturing, caring, loving parents that invested in them and just, you know, supported them and gave them their own identity. Very hard to find. Very hard to find. My parents were very old school, much older than most of the parents at that time. But I just grew up in that environment and it was a fun environment to be in. But little did I know that everything, our whole purpose was to make dad look good. And and it seemed to be that way for a very long time. And then, you know, once I got to high school, I started drinking uh, socially, uh, searching, just looking, searching. I was a good athlete, but I had this huge void. I didn't have any mission, purpose, self-control, self-discipline. So when it came time to go to college, man, I was out. And I I wanted to, yeah, I, uh, uh, I wanted to get away from God and my family. And so I got on campus and that was it. You know, I'm out of there. Yeah. I had no one looking over my shoulder and it was a bad formula because that really began my descent in what I describe as the pit of hell because it was just nothing but a party. And I, again, I had no, no self-control whatsoever. And I would imagine as you're describing it here, you're struggling with trauma at home, adverse childhood events, and the church at the same time wasn't a safe place to go either. There weren't, if you had to be on all the time, you were really on your own. Pretty much. Yeah, that's a great, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I did. I felt totally isolated. I really didn't have anybody I could trust or talk to. Couldn't talk to my dad at all. I mean, it was, if I did, it was, I was to blame you know, in practically every situation just wasn't safe. Just was, I I didn't realize that at the time, just didn't realize that. Of course we don't, you know, when you're, you know, nine, 10, 12, 15, you're like, you know, what's going on here. But you know, it, yeah, it was just a very, very, it was kind of two worlds. The church family was a lot of fun, good people, really good people. Right. But our family having to operate in that, it was like night and day, you know? Yeah. So I got to college and it was just, uh, and then I dropped out. I, I spent the year at uh, in college, but I dropped out, came back to Washington, D.C., and I took a job at a bar restaurant that was owned by the biggest cocaine dealer on the East Coast at the time. And this was the early 80s when cocaine was dominating nightlife right, all throughout right. the major cities and what have you. So I got sucked up into that drug world. And again, I, it was, it for me personally, it was a pit of hell depressed, dark, no mission, no vision. I was a failure. I mean, I was just operating in this disgusting, you know, environment. You know, the people were, were fun, you know, were good. Uh, not right. all of them, but it was just, there was a huge void. There was no purpose in it. You know, right. there was just no empty. purpose. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally empty. empty. And you describe it's, it like a, you know, a pit of hell. And yeah, it's, it's like, I think if, if you're struggling with depression or any of this stuff, it does feel like a pit, like you can't get out of it. Totally. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, oftentimes we take on the identity of our struggle and, you know, our pain, our shame, our guilt. I mean, you know, failure. Well, that's my identity. I know not, right. I, I, I want to get out. I'd like to get out. I'm, I'm too scared to get out. 
because this is what I know. This is all right. I know right now. And that's such a, it, it, it's so inhibiting and paralyzing until the pain in my life got greater than my fear of changing. And that's the first chapter yes. of my book. That is the, that is, it happened in my own life. And it's what I've witnessed in thousands of people's lives that we've had the privilege of caring for, for the last 22 years is when the pain is greater than my fear of changing my fear of shame, my fear of, of embarrassment, yeah. my fear of, oh, they're going to know what I'm struggling with. When you're at that point, more often than not, you're going to do whatever it takes to get well, because right. the pain is just too great. And that's what happened to me. God took over my life and I, I did, I, I surrendered. I completely, it, it took a number of years, but I finally got to the place where I realized that I'm either going to end up dead or I'll be on this path of destruction which is going nowhere. So right. I just, I surrendered. Pain was too great. I had to get well, I had to get better. I had to get out of it. And by God's grace, I was able to. Talk, talk about that surrender, because a lot of people in the addiction world talk about that, that moment where you do reach, you make that decision. Like I'm either going to go get help or maybe I'm not going to make it. Well, I had a twofold process. The first one was actually I just celebrated 36 years clean last week. Wow. Uh, awesome. And that was uh, 36 years ago was my first experience of having an epiphany that and it wasn't necessarily a major spiritual experience, but it was an enlightening and just a total epiphany that uh, I was able to, for the first time in a long time, have kind of a clarity of mind. And I realized I got to get out of here. I have got to get out of this mess I'm in. And it was gradual, but over time I was able to, able to extricate myself from that drug use and, and environment and the people and the triggers and everything over time. And I got healthy again and I started taking care of myself and, you know, things were good, but they weren't great. They were not right. great. I was still miserable because I hadn't dealt with any of the pain, the shame or any of the, anything, nothing. Right. I've hit, I, I hit it. I just hit it. Well, the second stage of my life change happened, let's see, how long ago? That was about 11, 11 years, 10, 11 years after that. I was clean and sober, but I was still miserable. Well, I was brought to my dad's bedside. Uh, my sister called and said he was dying in the, ho in the hospital. He's very ill. And the one man that I really wanted in my life was going right. to uh, die. And I had no real, no nurturing, caring, loving relationship with him. And that stirred me up that that yeah. took my pain level from, you know, it just elevated my pain level because there was so much grief. And then my whole life came in front, you know, right before me. And I'm like, I've done nothing with my life. And here this guy's going to die before I've made anything of my life, you know. And so that's that stirred me to the core. I was no longer afraid to get well and just completely, completely surrender. And I did. And I cried out and I said, God, <laughs> take this mess of me. Just take this mess of me and heal and take the pain and, and bring healing in my life. And it was miraculous. It's like you stop fighting. I did. Stop fighting I gave up. It and you give it, you give it to a higher power. Yeah. To however yeah. you see that, you give it. You give you it do. away. Yeah, the fight was over. Because see, the battle is is not with anybody else, but here. 
Right. And, and here in your head, right? as you're pointing. To yeah, your absolutely. Head. Oh, it's all about the money. Yeah, sure. It's all, I had to pivot. I had to make a number of different pivots and yeah, it, it's so liberating. It was so liberating because see, when you're in the mess, in the midst of it, you're, you're, you're manipulating, lying, controlling, and it just takes so much energy. It takes right. so much energy that by the time you like, I love what you just said, you're ready to end the fight. You're in the corner and you're sitting on that bench. <laughs> Bring in the cut guy, you know? Yep. Yep. And yep. I'm, I'm done. And I was, yeah. and it was miraculous. And so I've been, uh, I was set free and, and I've been so ever since, and I've never, ever, ever gone or looked back. And I can feel that in your voice. I can feel it in the way in which you talk about it, that there is that freedom and also at the same time, that passion to heal. Yes. It was like it was yesterday. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I, 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 I will never forget it. I will always remember the darkness, always remember. I've healed from that. I have no longer do I have any shame. I have no more guilt. I took responsibility. And I've made a concerted effort to get well over all these many years. And now I just give back to other people. And that goes into the, the title of your book, you know, Stop Hiding, Start Healing. And yes. I want to talk about that first part, Stop Hiding. Okay. Well, people still do. Yeah. See, there's a group of us out there, and I see it all the time, and I have over the last 22 years in Christ-centered ministry and recovery ministry, that people like me had experiences like I did in the past, right? In mm -hmm. the past. And that pain of the past still wrecks them. It's still, it's, a, it's been a catalyst for troubles in their marriage, in their professions, in their outlook, in their self-esteem, in their self-worth, and in their identity. Why? Because they, they experienced it, but they never dealt with it. And so they right. hide from it. They hide from it. And that's what I've been witness. I did it myself, but I've been witnessing this where people have so many resources available to go get well. But why? Because of shame. Yeah. Shame. The shame of their past is debilitating. And just again, it goes back to the fear. And rather than deal with it because it's too hard, too painful, too, too much grief, I would rather just not deal with it and uh, I'll just hide from it. I had the title in a, in a flash when, when I was prompted last June to write the book and it's because of just my own experience, but what I witness in people and saying, it's okay. You know, okay. You're, you're, you're loved for who you are. You're accepted for who you are. You know, it's that yep. shame and that guilt that is just keeping you in bondage. Let it be cracked and shattered so you can be set free and begin healing. Yeah, absolutely. And that shame is that emotion that says you're just, you're not worthy. You're not worthy not of all. love. No. You're not worthy nope. of being a belonging and you better right. hide it or you're if if because if anybody finds out how bad oh, you are, yeah. you know, how bad you think you are, then no one can be there for you. No one can love you. You're going to be rejected from whatever community. You're going to be rejected from the church. You're going to be rejected from, I don't know, wherever you are, <laughs> your family, your friends. It's true. It's true. And it's so true. And of all places that people should be accepted, it's the church. 
And oftentimes that's not the case, unfortunately. Yeah. Why? Because church is full of people and they're not perfect people and they're hurt too. And gosh, uh, you know, our church is not that way. Our pastors from last 35 years has just laid the foundation of, of a loving, caring, accepting, no condemnation, no judgment. Just come, just come just as come, you are. And, come as you and, are. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And be able to speak up and speak out so you can be helped. And, and you, you know, instead of isolating, isolation's especially after COVID when it's been so elevated in recovery circles. Yeah. Isolation is, is just something we choose to do to ourselves and hide and withdraw and we suffer. I understand it. I know why, but that's what prompted me to write the book as a resource to say, discover how you can come out of hiding, you know, right. and be accepted, loved, cared for, prayed for and supported as you get well. Yeah. And creating that loving community. And I, I think, you know, I don't think it's just the church that has that issue. I no. think it's community as general, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, how do we help create a community that is accepting, especially if you've had trauma as a, as a kid, we know now that if you've had adverse childhood events, yes. Yes. painful events, you're going to find a way to cope and you're just you more likely to turn to a substance yes. or pornography or sex or food or whatever right. it is to make yourself feel to better. Medicate. That's right. Yeah. And you need loving other people around you yeah. to help you heal. But see, it's not natural for us to face our pain. It, yeah. You know, it's it, we weren't conditioned for it. Uh, no one put their arm around me and said, now I want you to know that when it comes to painful situations you're going to face in your life financially, in your marriage, with your children, in your profession, just in life in general, here's an action plan that worked for me. And this would really benefit you to work. And no one ever, I never, never, ever got that lesson. You know what I mean? And yeah. nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. But, you know, then you go through and like you just mentioned, you choose, all right, how am I going to escape this? That's our first, generally our first go-to. How am I going to escape this? And, right. you know, that's been the way, that's just the natural way, but it's, um, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about faith and spirituality and mm -hmm. looking at something greater than yourself. Yes. I don't identify as a Christian myself. Right. But I know you're a recovery pastor, and I would love to talk about that because I think spirituality, however your higher power is or that sure. that force greater than you, is such a big part of, of healing. It is. Yes, it is. It is, and it has been, and it was for me, and has been for me, and millions of people, you know, of course, around the world or certainly in the country, in our region where we uh, serve. It really is important. There's no getting around it. I mean, the Bible essentially is a life manual. You know, it really is a blueprint for life. And it's also a blueprint for recovery. Because as you read through that, there's every principle under the sun to get from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness, to get from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. And it's highlighted, of course, in all the books of the Bible of different people that, you know, struggled with the same things struggled we did. With the same, yeah. <laughs> you know, so a lot of people are, are really intimidated by it. They truly are. It, there's a mystery about it. But the good churches and the churches that are healthy and the churches that teach practical application of scripture 
do extremely well in helping people fully understand how it applies to their situation. And especially when it comes to shame and guilt and pain and trauma and divorce and abuse of the past and things like that. Yeah, the, the Bible is very clear about how to be able to, to latch on to something far greater than ourselves. And God is fully capable. He's had tougher things under his belt than what you and I go through, uh, you know, and others go through. He's perfectly equipped and readily available for that. And when I cried out and asked for it, I never got it because I never asked for it. You know, right? I never got, I never, and it's there. And, you know, it's just a wonderful, you talk about when I was searching (laughs) and I was searching and filling you know, using all the wrong fuel until I found that uh, got that relationship with him. And it's a, when you get a hold of the love of God, it'll blow your, it'll just change your world forever. And a lot of people are so intimidated about it. They don't, well, they blame God. See, I blame God. You know, my right. father was supposed to be an example of God. Our dads are supposed to be spiritual examples of the role that God plays, right? Which is, a, I, which is a loving, uh, a loving, caring, accepting, understanding, yeah. with accountability, with, with rules, you know, not condemnation, just healthy guidelines and rules and boundaries just to live life by, you know, and right. it can be very intimidating to people. And people, as a result of their church upbringing, which maybe wasn't real healthy with mom and dad, have right. that as a barrier and as a condition. Well, I'm not going to go there because of my, we relate too much of what happened in the past to our current day, but as life changes, so do our cycles change. So do things change. Our hearts can be changed. Take advantage of these resources that are out there, but find the healthy church, find trusting people and find a safe place for you to go and heal. And that's essentially why God created the church. He didn't, he didn't create it for really good, perfect people. It's all, right. it was made up for all people dealing with all life issues. So I, I have two questions. One, I would love to know how you transitioned from that kind of trauma you had around the church and around that. And then I also want to ask about that healthy dynamic, like that healthy community and how does someone know if they're in a spiritual community that it's healthy and it's good and it's it, and it's positive for them. So there's like two questions there. The transition from trauma to spiritual uh, awakening was just that. I mean, uh, no, when I made that decision after being by my dad's bedside, when I made that decision and I was ready to stop the fight, but fully surrender when the pain was too great, uh, I didn't know what I was asking for. <laughs> You know, right. I really didn't until I did. And it was so over- overwhelming, so overwhelming because I was struggling mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And every four of those areas, I have been rebuilt. You see, when we're struggling, when we're young and we're not being nurtured, we don't grow emotionally. Right. We yeah. just don't grow. And then we start feeding ourselves with drugs and everything else. And it all, it's, comes to us even more of a screeching halt. So he infilled every one of those four areas, and I've just immersed myself, is what I did, immersed myself in a good, caring church family to learn to grow, to heal, and be restored. 
And that's, and that's essentially what I did. There are thousands of good places out there around the country for people to go to and find. Now, you ask about how do I do that or what finding the right people. Well, there's a number of different ministries. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is one of them. They're yeah. all over the country and actually the world in different churches of all different denominations. You see, a lot of us grew up in, in mainline denominations that was rather tradition versus relationship. You know, there's a big difference between tradition and a relationship with God. And the evangelical churches are the ones that are, have experienced the most growth over the last 20 years. And also, they don't compromise, but it's more community. Relational and, yeah. and connection. And, yes, And that's absolutely. what you need that. I believe in, in yeah. any, when you're healing pain or shame, what, whatever your community is, it has to be yeah. healthy. It has to be relational. Right. It has to be uh, repair some of those things that maybe weren't there in the past or or we didn't get like you said earlier like we didn't we didn't get some of those skills we no. didn't we didn't feel yeah. we were worthy of even I being know. loved i know i know i know we couldn't forgive ourselves mm-hmm. we could not forgive other people and we certainly couldn't for, uh, receive god's forgiveness right even though he sent his son to die on the cross to take every bit of that away every single bit of that and it was so hard to comprehend because <laughs> We're so self-loathing and we think, oh, you know, we're just a failure. How could he, he does not love me. It's a, well, that's just total opposite. And that's the negative self-talk that we learn and it becomes a learned practice and it's so defeating. So right. you have to, re- you have to replace that with the spiritual principles and the positive input that the scripture, God's word, which is all true, all powerful, that can change hearts, minds, lives, marriages relationships, everything. So I'm biased. I, I, I was, I've been in that environment and, it, and it, it was just, and I've seen thousands of people change. Every testimony just is such a blessing to see someone go from that place of, you know, brokenness to a place of peace and wholeness, you know? And to, and to I, so how do you find and, it? Yeah. You're, you're asking, well, it's, well, first of all, don't just go to anybody. You have to find people you trust and safe people. And like I mentioned, Celebrate Recovery is a great ministry for recovery. And, and you know, the other thing, Dwayne, people think recovery is about addiction and, and about the drug addict and the alcoholic. Recovery is about restoring souls. And it's so it's about everything. Take your anger, take your shame, take your pornography, take your codependency, take your food, take everything, anything. Everything, yes. You yes, know, and that's absolutely. really what, see, that's really what right. Christ-centered, Christ-centered recovery encompasses. Whereas you have AA, NA, SA, and all the other groups. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. all specific. They're all isolated and they're all independent. Well, okay. But where the Bible is, the steps are very, the 12, 12 steps, very clear. Give everything, all my life to God's care and control. You know, right. all right. my life, <laughs> not right. just some. You mean my grief, my sadness, my the my loss, my sense of loss, everything. Yeah, and then that's where that fight stops when yes. you're able to just you you give it up, you surrender it, like you said, and it and it is a spiritual. I don't know. That's awakening. my experience. A spiritual awakening. It it's is. a it's a it's a moment that I don't know. You feel it in your body. It it it, oh, it moves do. out of you. And 
yeah. and and you begin to rebuild. You do because you're not high. You don't. You don't. Well, you slowly unhide. I mean, that was my experience. Yeah, you do. You, you, you start yeah. to peel off the layers. You start you do. to. You start to slowly get the support. You you have to almost, in a way, what my experience has been is also stop hiding from yourself too. Like self-awareness, like self-awareness well, that you don't even realize you're hiding things from yourself and, and being able to go through that process. The best thing we can ever do, Dwayne, is to, is to get to know us. Yeah. It truly. And recovery and, uh, you know, recovery and also Christ center recovery. It's all about developing self-awareness. Me. Right. I need to know me. I need to know my triggers. I need to know my warning signs. I need to know my blind spots. I need to know my weaknesses. I also need to know my strengths. I need to know what I do well. I need to know what I don't do well. Uh, why do I get defensive? Why do I feel jealousy? Why do I feel? It's all about us. And it seems so selfish, but, uh, you know, but it isn't, it, right. you know, the, uh, the best thing I can be for my wife, Debbie, is the best I can be as a man, as a man of God, and bring health, encouragement, and nurturing, sensitivity into our marriage, love and respect. And I can't do that if I'm a total mess and hiding stuff and continuing to struggle. It won't work. No. It won't work. <laughs> it won't. No, it won't. And, and, you know, when you, when you surrender and you just begin to work on these things, life really becomes... Even with though there's hard things in life, things oh, happen. Oh gosh! I mean, if you, you only know, knew what at, I've been through, <laughs> right? Even in all this, there's a different way in which we respond to it and create meaning out of it and purpose and and it makes life. I don't know if, I, if this is right. It doesn't make life easier per se, but all of these things become opportunities for growth, understanding, connection with others. And when we have a community to be able to share yeah. this, this pain or hurt, we're, we're, we're really not alone in it. You well, know? when we, ver when we verbalize our pain and say, maybe for the first time, I'm really struggling here when we're in that men's group, you know, and I know mm -hmm. it happens in the women's group and you're able to sit there and all of a sudden you're hearing all these wonderful stories and, you know, you're relating to every single person practically around the room. And then you finally realize, wow, I'm not alone. I'm, I'm not, not alone in that they do understand. Wow. And the beautiful thing about, I can only speak about our ministry is empathy. You see, when you're around people that under empathy is all about understanding. Empathy is so different from sympathy. Sympathy is what we look for when we were totally strung out and messed up. Oh, you poor right. thing. Here's some money. Oh, you poor thing. You need a place to stay? Oh, you poor thing. I'll cover that bill for you. That's what we fed off of, you know, victim, sympathy, give it to me. Well, we don't offer that. We offer empathy because all of us have been to the valley and back and we can empathize. We understand your darkness. We understand the pit that you've been in. We understand the bondage that you've experienced because we've been there. Yeah. And when people realize that and it's genuine caring, yeah, it makes a huge difference in one's life. And there are, like you said earlier, communities out there that will take you in, no matter and what, support you and walk you through it. And and I would say even for people who aren't Christians, there's other communities out there. Reach reach out to them, find sure. them, find what works for oh, you. Absolutely, what works for you. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Now I'm kind of biased. I would say, yeah. you know, find that higher power. And he is a loving, loving, care, caring God. Believe me, I never thought he was. And I found right. out he was. Right. Uh, there are skeptics that will be listening. I totally understand. That's... I totally get it. But it's, you know, we all were given a gift of a choice, you know, and you choose yep. what you think is best for you. No one's going to tell you what to do nobody we're not here to fix you or change you that only the lord can do that but we're, you have a choice you know yeah. and you see the array the menu the menu before you take your pick you know take your pick awesome well thank you greg for so much for coming on the podcast this is a question i love to ask at the end of the podcast i usually do it is if someone out there is listening maybe they are struggling themselves or Maybe they have a loved one that's struggling. What would be the one thing you'd want to tell them? What would you want to what would you want to say to them? Well, first thing I'd say is that everything, and I mean everything you've ever wanted in your life, is on the other side of fear. That's one of the first things I would tell anybody. It's on the other side of fear. And fear is inhibiting. Uh, if you're struggling with pain, if you're struggling with shame or guilt or pain of the past, or if you're, if you cannot be set free from that addiction, take a real good self-awareness check of your pain level. If it's greater than your fear of changing, you have to step out of hiding and start healing and get help. And for the loved one, the parent or the family member that has someone that is struggling, first of all, it's not your fault. Okay. It's not your fault. Your child or whoever that was, whoever that is that is struggling is choosing that on their own due to their yeah. own hurt, their own pain, their own life, their own void, their own searching. It's not your fault. And I know you want to help, but you can't rescue them. You're not going to be able to rescue them. They have to be able to do it on their own and let them get to the pain level that is greater than their fear. And then they'll step up and surrender. That's our prayer. Oh, thank you. So I, I love that. I love that statement. That is that is so beautiful. H how can people find you? I have a couple of different websites. One is my book website, StopHidingStartHealingBook.com. StopHidingStartHealingBook.com. I also have a website, CraigDBrown.com. CraigDBrown.com. And I also have a Facebook page, StopHidingStartHealingBook.com healing on facebook awesome thank you so much i will put that all in the show notes at thank you theaddictedmind.com so you can find it there it has been a pleasure talking with you today and just you sharing your your passion and your love i can just feel it <laughs> so thank you so much <laughs> you're welcome thank you for having me All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. I really hope that it was helpful and beneficial for you and that you got a lot out of it. Once again, you can find all the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. And if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, write a review. That really does help get the podcast a lot of exposure and it helps people find the podcast. And if you'd like a little extra support, think about joining our Facebook group. You can go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind Podcast. Click join. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. 
and I will talk to you on the next episode. Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.